0: Hello Man fans, Ollie Man here as we leap into spring. Here's what's coming up on this month's Modern Man. She started
2: the conversations like we're not here for fun. We're here to put a stop to whatever it is you're doing.
0: Managing your father when he can't manage his finances. What do you do when your dad is defrauded?
1: pièce de résistance is called the breast trap it is modelled on a bear trap it's a bear trap for boobs
0: alex fox says thanks for the manneries and ollie peart gets animated about passive income it's all to come in this edition of the modern man but first your letters and thank you for all the lovely responses to our documentary with leila moran last month. Uh, Emma on Facebook, for example, facebook.com slash ollie Mann, says, Layla came across excellently, sincere, smart, honest, compassionate, the sort of politician we need more of. I think she'll be happy with that. Um, <laughs> but she says, I love, love, loved, though, hearing her mum following her around the campaign trail. Although it is, of course, appalling that this feels necessary these days, it is such an honest and natural mum thing to do um i agree uh, sarah it was really great to meet randa i think she's kind of the heart of last month's episode uh john pillbeam as well has written in to say ollie i live in layla's constituency so some of the episode was recorded in my neighborhood But as a side note, the craft brewery in North Hinksey that you mentioned, Tap Social, is actually an amazing project. They help rehabilitate people serving prison sentences by teaching them brewing and business skills. Um, John, you're right. This is worth mentioning. Uh, This was the place that I'd rather talk down by saying it looked like a grim car park where you'd buy a bed. Uh, That is true. But at the point I recorded that link, I hadn't yet stepped inside the place. I was just standing in the car park on a rainy day. It seemed an uninspiring choice for a political campaign launch. But indeed, talking to some of the bar staff there afterwards, I agree, is a great idea. So I'm pleased to have the opportunity to set the record straight there. Uh, If you ever go to North Inksy, do go to Tap Social Movement. Um, Paul Steedman has been in touch as well. Uh, He says, "Ollie, I've just dropped a round of beer money your way. I've been listening a long time, but I was prompted to drop you some cash because of your feature on the election campaign last month. As a veteran of managing campaigns myself, but for the Green Party, including Caroline Lucas MP, I thought you did a great job of conveying the roller coaster of emotions for the candidate, their family and team, the sheer hard graft, the dedication of volunteers and the increasing worry around security and abuse directed at women politicians in particular, having only just recovered from overseeing our December campaigns for the three constituencies in Brighton and Hove, it would make my day to be considered as ambassador for Brighton and Hove. Wow, wrong part of the show there, Paul <laughs> you just snuck that in uh, go on then I 'll tell you what you can have hove. I imagine there's quite a few potential ambassadors in Brighton you 're not getting an intro shout out and Brighton. But you're on the map for Hove. Thank you as well to our sponsors of this edition of The Modern Man, beer52.com. They are the UK's number one craft beer club, if you didn't know. And they have a special deal just for man fans. And by the way, this is a completely new deal for 2020. We used to offer you eight free beers. We can now get you 10. That is 10 completely free beers delivered to your door insane there's a new url for you to get it beer52.com slash modern Uh, if you go there and sign up you do have to pay the postage i think it's 4.95 and you do have to subscribe to a monthly case but you don't have to take it you can leave anytime you want you don't have to pay for any beer if you don't want to and you will want to because once you've tried what they send you I mean, it's great booze from small batch breweries all around the world right to your door. I never knew I wanted to know what Norwegian beer was like until I became a member. Now I love it. Uh, just go to beer52.com slash modern to get your free case now. And thanks again to them. Right, coming up today, you will learn how to use flash cotton... In an incredibly novel way, you will learn what you should be giving your kids when you get to fifty, and you'll learn who Minty Baubles is, as if you didn't know already. Let's go. Time for the Zeitgeist: Your Trends Tested with the temporary voice of Wessex FM Breakfast. It's Ollie Peart. Hi, Ollie. Hello. You've been doing proper radio. I'm covering the breakfast show, mm.
3: and because it's a breakfast show, they do they have like a big contest. And it's to give away a £1,000. You have to answer 10 questions yeah. in a minute. And if you answer them all right, yeah. you can only take your first answer. So I've heard
0: local radio before. I That's get fine, it. That's no, fine. The reason this is interesting yeah. is because those competitions are designed so they're quite hard. So they don't give away lots of money because they're a small local radio station. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So, But you, on what, your second day in the office? First day. <laughs> gave away a £1,000. I gave away a
3: £1,000. And I didn't know what to do because <laughs> what do you mean
0: <laughs> you didn't know what to do? Well because to, there's no choice.
3: No, I literally said I was I just started well, end, laughing. Like, well, you've
0: got all the questions right, but you sound like a bit of a strange person, so, you know, I'm not going to follow through. No, you I can't... just
3: laughed at the end because I was just really confused and I was just like, well, you've Yeah, I mean you've won. Yeah. But I I there was no one else there. I was in charge of basically saying, yeah, we'll give you a grand. I mean, she answered all the questions correct, but it just felt weird yes. that on day 1 of me sitting in that chair, yeah. but when I went out and I saw the bosses, they well I've seen them look happier.
0: What were the questions? Okay, here you go. Do you want one? Well, yeah. Well, let's see if I can do them. Go on.
3: Survivor had yeah. a hit with which song
0: from no. one of the Rocky films? <laughs> the Tiger is the song. Correct. But I've never heard of Survivor. Y- Sorry, I'm giving you too much back chat, so I forgot we were in a radio you. Yeah, you are. You're trying to win a grand. Right. Finish the saying, a bird in the hand is worth... <laughs>
3: <laughs> we're not in the Voxhole. Come on. Two in the bush. Yes. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not supposed to tell you that's right. right yeah. Oh, okay. What why makes bread rise... Yeast. Well, he's doing well. Yeah. What was the character name of the Vicar of Dibley? I'm bored now. <laughs> You're only bored because you haven't won the Grand. If you got uh, that Geraldine. Question... Yeah, it is. What's yeah. the surname? I don't know. Well, I wouldn't give it to you, then.
0: Did, she it? didn't have to give the surname. She gave the full name. Yeah, but she didn't have to give the surname.
3: It's we'll there on the answer.
0: No, but she did, if imagine, she said Geraldine... That, but
3: imagine, question 10. Yeah. Imagine, she's got them all right, <laughs> and she went Geraldine, and I just went, Nope. But also... Uh, <laughs> Imagine, <laughs> I, she because said, there are only a
0: few seconds left, I presume. At that point, yeah, oh, if you, if she you could was have wasted on, the time by saying, "No, I need the full name." She was, and on, then she would have not got the money.
3: On the buzzer, she was.
0: Yeah. What is the surname? Granger. She knew that. Yeah, she knew that. I mean, Heather's a fucking Jedi. She it was, deserves the money. It's her slumdog millionaire moment. Anyway, um, you're not dressed as a woman. No, um, I mentioned this because uh, regular listeners to the show will be hotly awaiting mm. your transformation into a drag queen, which is yes. what we promised last episode. We did. What happened?
3: So I've made contact with the mentor that you put me in touch with. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't been able to make it work and meet with them just yet. Okay. But we have got arrangements in the diary to meet. It's just we couldn't do it in time for this episode.
0: Okay, so we're going to do it. So next month we'll find out. We're going to do it me- next month. How you and, going?
3: And, and, and I promise.
0: Yeah. I'm promising
3: the listeners right now, I will go full force. Well, no, because the drag queen that I'm meeting Mm. is a bearded drag queen, so I can go full hairy, right? So I think I still have to do all the tucky stuff, Mm. but we'll find out. I don't know. You have to stay tuned for that. There's a
0: there's a tease. Well, we realised a week ago you weren't going to be able to fully transform Mm -hmm. in time for this March episode. So we looked back through the emails that have been coming in from the man fans and posed this challenge to you instead. So you've had a week to look into this. Uh, But it was Kate in Macclesfield who says, I'm 31 and I keep hearing about the fire movement and how, if only I knuckle down, I can apparently amass enough cash to retire when I'm 40. In my current position, still renting a flat... And with a job in marketing, this seems completely unrealistic. Can Ollie dig into the fire scene and see if it's any cop? First things first. Yeah, what fire? fire? Yeah, yeah, what is fire? So it's F I R E is an acronym, right?
3: It is. Yeah, it stands for Financial Independence, Retire Early. Okay. Right. The premise is you save up a whole chunk of money, and then you're able to retire by the time you're 40 or 50 or whatever, just earlier than you would do normally.
0: Right. So in other words, it is just the premise of retirement. It is. But you've slid it back a bit.
3: But it's a, just like You've a... heated it up a notch. Do you have a pension?
0: Uh, I used to work for the BBC 15 years ago. Yeah. So I had a staff pension there.
3: Right. And like what percentage is that of the salary? I don't know. Uh, I
0: mean, uh, who knows? Not a lot. I just basically like ticked a box and got it. And then when I went freelance, I, I met an accountant one day in a pub. <laughs> And He said, yeah, I can convert... Sounds so dodgy. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is not my recommendation of how you should manage your finances. Yeah. And he said, oh, it looks like you had a decent pension. I'll move it over to this company mm-hmm. and then you pay in there what you can. So yes, I put £100 a month into this thing. I don't know how much I have. It's certainly not enough to live on. It's just a thing. So the idea of the fire movement is their argument is that
3: that, that idea of how we all kind of, we have a mortgage, we have a pension and we save little bits here and there. Yeah. Their, their thing is, that system's broken, that doesn't work, yeah. this is how you should do it Well, instead. it's not
0: going to keep me in retirement, is it? No, not right. at all.
3: So it's a combination of extreme saving, frugal living and smart investing. So the aim is to have a pot of cash mm. by the time you retire that is 25 times your annual spend. So say you could live off ten thousand pounds a year by the So time- your
0: annual spend when you're saving intensely.
3: Yes. Say so you're saving intensely but you spend ten thousand pounds a year, mm. right? You need that. So to- that,
0: on essential things, travel, yeah, food. Food, bills. food yeah.
3: heating, like all that That's stuff. That's tough. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it is tough. But say you do that, by the time you're forty, you want to have two hundred and fifty thousand pounds before you're forty. So the idea right. it's that goal. That's the goal. So you could you could move that goal. So Kate's thirty one. Yeah. So if by the time she's 40 she needs she wants to save 25 times her spend she yeah. needs to work out what that
0: what that would be does that make sense it's sort of but it makes it ever harder I mean because I, I you as can much push as the I'm... age
3: it doesn't have to be before 40 I was it's just say. like it's just a hyper quick way because I'm doing.
0: aware this is like a sort of millennial trend mm. But it's by necessity the case, isn't it? Because I mean, I'm coming up to thirty nine. Yeah. If I wanted to retire when I was forty now. I mean I couldn't live on what I'm about to earn for the next year for the rest of my life anyway, even if I'd saved all of it and spent nothing.
3: I think you're getting hung up on the forty thing though, because I think actually it's more of a lifestyle choice for a lot of people. So there are people there's there's a there's a forum on Reddit. Isn't there always? Which is the Financial Independence Forum. Yeah. And I went on there I think you know when you see like subreddits and they're like I don't know, 10,000 people or whatever, and you're like, oh, this isn't a thing. Mm-hmm. This has got 700,000 people on it. It's massive. Goodness. And it is, like, raging with comments the whole time. But people's ages vary from, like, 21 to, sort of, there'd be people in their 50s already.
0: But So when they think early retirement, they're well, actually, they are thinking about the retirement age, aren't they? they think thinking of the age you used to think you might retire.
3: They are, but they, you know... Uh, People's job security has kind of gone out the yeah. window. So they're sort of thinking, how can we get there faster? How can I
0: actually retire at 60? How can I actually yeah. retire? Yeah. Okay, so what is the answer then? So what does extreme saving actually mean?
3: So it's putting aside roughly between 50 and 75% of your annual salary. So you live off the rest.
0: So you need to be earning quite a lot in the first place. Yes. I mean, Katie in Macclesfield, her point is she doesn't earn enough mm. to make... I mean, she's, she's saying she rents property, for example. Yeah. I mean... Even just that, if you're renting a property and spending money on a property, that you can't do anything about that number, can you? Apart from move into a smaller place.
3: No, it's really difficult. And actually, uh, a lot of people say, ideally, to make any kind of you know, success of this, you need to be earning at least forty thousand pounds a year. Okay. And
0: yeah, because also- if you were earning two hundred grand a year, <laughs> yeah. and you saved a hundred grand a year. Mm-hmm. You're kind I mean, of okay. Yeah, you're kind of okay, but you'd be okay anyway because you're already underground. Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there's if if you have if you have a mortgage, if you have kids, yeah. you know, other dependents, the whole idea goes out the window. Well, does it? Which, I
0: mean, you must have encountered success stories.
3: Well, one of the success stories was a guy who set up a website off the back of this. Mr. Money Mustache is his name. Uh-huh. right? He's got a website. i said Mo- he wasn't christened that. <laughs> Mr. Money <laughs> Mustache. And I think, yes, you can have success. But a lot of it's actually, it's not just based on you being able to put your money aside. It's what you do with that money as well. So the other part of it is smart investment. So it's where you invest your money. Uh, and it's reaching a point where you have what they call passive income coming in. You do nothing, but you've got money coming
0: in. Again, this is just like a cool name for savings, right? Yeah, well, it's that's a, a millennial, savings account. It's,
3: it's basically the millennial version of it. It's yeah, just but where the,
0: are they putting it that's so magical?
3: Uh, so they're putting it into VTIs. Okay. These are basically index funds. Have you heard of an index fund?
0: I mean, yes, but I don't know what it means. It's basically... I feel like I should offer a disclaimer here that we are not offering financial advice. We are not offering financial advice. You're simply reiterating what you've read. Yeah, yeah. An index
3: fund is a fund of, like, lots of different companies. So yeah. you're not going, right,
0: I'm going to put... You put all my money on pets at home.
3: Exactly. We all underground on pets at home. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there's a big hamster death epidemic. <laughs> <laughs> And your money goes down the shitter. Yeah. Uh, Instead, you basically just put all your money. Spreading stocks and shares. Spreading stocks and shares. This isn't
0: so far apart from the meeting I had in the pub with the financial advisor. (laughs) (laughs) It's about the quality.
3: Uh, Maybe I should start giving out financial advice. 100
0: pound a month, have it.
3: But the key key (laughs) with these for your financial advice is that um, you need to. The the reason these are slightly different is because the expense ratio. that's important on these is very, very low. Now, what that is, is what you're paying the people that invest in your money. So for their offices and their lights and their phones or whatever. Mm -hmm. These low expense ratio investments are like 0.06%. That's what you'd pay on your investment to them. So how do you
0: find... I mean, basically, is Reddit the answer to this? How do you find these companies? Uh, Yeah, I mean, there are so so many. I mean, how do you verify that someone giving financial advice on a social network is someone you should trust?
3: There's a few big names in this sort of fire movement. And I think, you know, some people might look at them and go, "Mm, he's a bit of a charlatan. Mm. But... People have done it. Okay, so tell us but who's it's, done it. But who's it's, done it? Well, well, this guy. A moustache there's, there's a guy doing it as well who's got a website called Retire by 40. He just goes by the name of Joe. He gives no other information away about himself. Retireby40.org. He's in the process of doing it. And he you can go on there and he has got all of his home budgets, how much he earns, how much he uh, spends, where it goes, where he invests it. And he's got all the charts and everything. And he's going through it bit by bit. Uh, he's married. His partner does work. They're trying to reach a point of 100% financial independence ratio, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is basically your spend is the same as your passive income. Does that make sense? So you're Mm. not doing anything. Mm -hmm. Everything's covered. You just sit
0: there and your house is covered. Passive income meaning interest and stuff. Interest from investments, from
3: investments, yeah. He invests in things like property and these VTIs and ETIs, they're called as well. So
0: if you retire at 40 and mm. you actually live to 100, which is quite possible for someone who's currently 25. Yes. What, how do they answer that question? Is there going to be enough money for that many decades?
3: All of this maths and the whole premise is based on the idea of the 4% rule. Mm. Right, and The 4% rule is that you can withdraw from your savings at a rate of 4% a year, uh, and it not impact that investment, aside from in a, res- in a recession. So you can spend 4% of your investment yeah. a year, yeah. and you'll be fine. Because you're, I mean, make- that- you're making 6%, for yeah. example. Yeah, but over if a long investing.
0: period of time, there will be a recession. Yeah. There? and no. there
3: are lots of arguments that actually, how can you foresee this? There is risk. Yeah. You could live, in- live until you're 100 quite easily. Well, and so the other risk as
0: well is, put to your fine point, on, you get hit by a bus, can't you? You get cancer. That's the other risk. You, you die when you're 45, and you spend all your working life having no fun at all.
3: It's not just a case of
0: not buying a latte, is it? It's like never going out.
3: You know, looking into this world, these people are like so obsessed to the point where it becomes dull, right? This is a typical post on the on the, the the subreddit I was talking about, the financial independence one. It's like, I'm a 33-year-old engineer. My wife's a 33-year-old scientist. I plan to live past 100. Fire progress. My 401k, 140k. Wife, 401k, 25k. And it goes through all of this. He lists the whole stuff out, the whole lot out. He's got his life plan, mm. every, everything that he's going to ever spend on. And it's like... You spend your life doing that. That's yes. your
0: job. Yeah. It's so dull. I also imagine that when you actually retire, if you're successful at this, mm. when you actually retire, you then think, oh, what do I do now? Like, you've filled your life with this obsessive hobby, yeah. which is all about getting you to this goal. Then what?
3: Well, it's really interesting because, you know, a few people do talk about that. It's not like, oh, you're just going to quit and you're just going to start. I don't know, take up golf or knitting or whatever. And this is where I get a little bit confused in it because then they start talking about side hustles. And... The Mr. Moustache Man says, well, I've redefined what I mean by retirement. It's like, well, hang on a minute. Retirement even means you give up work or it doesn't. Yeah. And his view is, well, I don't work as much. Well, he
0: enjoys his career because he's found a career for himself. Yeah.
3: yeah. Prophecying
0: nonsense to idiots.
3: And he'll like, maybe he's he's bought a house and he'll just start slowly doing up this house. So it's, yeah. kind of, it's kind of work, but I can pick and choose when I do it. That kind of thing. So it's about the side hustle at that stage. It's about doing things that you enjoy there's like another guy that's decided to write a screenplay you know that might kick off and become a career but he's bought himself the time to go and do that i don't think these people are talking about okay i'm 40 i'm just going to sit on a deck chair now for the rest of my life it
0: sounds to me like it's very specifically educated americans that can do this mm. they're going to earn a certain amount in the first place whereby saving 50 percent of it is possible and that are in a society where people talk a lot about money and talk a lot about their career goals and aspirations, and that's what they'd be talking about and thinking anyway.
3: And and there's so much stuff to get your head around as well. Like, investing in those kinds of things, it's not easy. It's not like, you know, you can follow these step-by-step guides, but, you know, financial literacy in this country is pretty dire. You know, looking forward 15 years' time. I don't want to spend my time doing this.
0: But as ever, with all of these sort of trends that we look into, like some of the exercise ones are a bit like this as well, or mindfulness, mm. there's something in it. It's just people get obsessed with it, don't they, and turn it into their life. But I guess most people spend a week reading the blogs like you have and think, okay, I'll try and save a bit more. I mean, that's (laughs) sort of the realistic outcome, isn't it?
3: This is it. Like, I think that we generally, I think most people overspend on stuff. You know, you might rack up a bit of a credit card debt on a TV that you don't really need. So maybe, yeah, there's a lesson in, well, okay, thinking twice. Do I need that? Probably not. I could cut back on one or two things and, you know, maybe have an extra couple of hundred quid a month. That would be nice. I'd love to have a spare couple of hundred quid a month.
0: Okay, well, I think we've gone as far with that as we should before you offer any more misguided financial (laughs)
3: advice to people. Come on, I haven't haven't offered any for the record.
0: Now, usually at this point, obviously, I would tell you what your challenge is for next month, but we know what that's going to be. It's the drag thing. Can't wait. I'm looking forward to it still. Mm -hmm. Coming up next, another tale of financial mismanagement. You're going to meet Nick. It's an amazing story with a sting in the tail. Uh, But first, it's time for our record of the month. It's from Sebastian Schube. Does that name ring any bells? Schub. 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 It's German. Schub. 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 How do you spell it? Uh, S-C-H-U-B. He was the guy that I interviewed uh, back in the autumn about porn. No Fap. The no Fap guy. No Fap guy. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I remember. He's also a singer. Mm. Now he said in the interview, you might remember that he was a busker. Yeah. Um but now he has an actual single out. And I follow him on Facebook and there's that thing of you know when you've got a mate who's in a band, yeah. you're like, I don't know if I should click this. I'm sure people feel like this when I tell them that I'm doing a podcast <laughs> as well. <laughs> but it's just like I you know, because if this is bad, if I ever meet him again, or if yeah. he asks me for advice or whatever, what am I gonna say?
3: Also, if 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 he asks you to play it and you're like uh no i uh i would but uh yeah just, yeah
0: exactly we've got a bit of a waiting list yeah yeah actually clicked it not only is it good it's really good uh he's an amazing singer the song is called paradise and in its first week on spotify it's had ten thousand streams shoob that's <laughs> that's shooby good <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> Uh, he didn't ask if we could feature it oh great I offered, oh, that, that is good that is nice. I offered because I heard it I was like this is great so uh, it's really nice to bring you a friend of the show a man fan as our record of the month here is Sebastian Shube Shube with Paradise you are not there.
2: day after day life is hard but unfair You have no fear You're patiently waiting as days turn to
0: years So why waste your time When you're in paradise now, what do you do when you get an email that looks like a scam? Ignore it, delete it, flag it, report it, hopefully never actually reply to it. Well, Manfan Nick has a story now about what can happen when you do reply, or at least when your dad does. I started by asking Nick to tell me about his dad. At the beginning of this story, about five years ago, he's retired, living in Cyprus, and in his 60s. There
2: was nothing better for him than sitting down, reading the newspaper or watching the cricket on TV, rather than going out. He didn't want for much, didn't need much. As far as he was concerned, he was happy. He didn't have the stresses of London life and running a business and and everything else anymore. Had his big screen TV, had his Sky subscription... He was enjoying life. I mean, this is a man who, even in those years of retirement, he'd go to New York one or two times a year to go shopping. He'd cross over to uh, Beirut to go shopping from Cyprus. It was an easy <laughs> flight. He, he was a shopaholic.
0: Shopaholic, but quite whiz-bang stuff. You mentioned flat-screen TV, but you're going back 20 years. So are you talking about someone who spent a lot of money on gadgets and gizmos? What did the house look like?
2: He would always have to have the latest of anything. I remember growing up, you got your Betamax and then you had your VHS and there was always five tellies in the house, not one TV in the house. There was always one in the bedroom, one in the kitchen, one, you know. He was obsessed by cars, always buying a new camera. Whatever was the
0: latest thing out, he would buy it. Romantically, what was his life?
2: Married my mum young, divorced when I was 16. Had a few girlfriends post that. Had one who lived with him for a few years in Cyprus. Did you
0: worry about that part of his life, living in Cyprus? Is it going to be harder for him as a single man?
2: He made a real effort when he went out there, which we were quite surprised by. He even went to cookery lessons. Like, would go back to the restaurant where they did the cookery lessons every week, and he'd go there for dinner and would know the owner and the chef and all that kind of stuff. And then, I think for whatever reason, I think it was something as stupid as, literally, they, they were fully booked or they were closed for a private event and he couldn't go when he wanted. So, therefore, he shut them off. Wouldn't go back again. And that's his attitude. He feels if he's he's slightly wronged by somebody, he shuts them down.
0: What was your relationship like when you saw each other?
2: You had to fit in around him. He wouldn't bend to accommodate you. I remember when I first had our kid, first kid, that Christmas didn't get any Christmas presents. Like, I didn't get a Christmas present. My wife didn't get a Christmas present from him. And he just said, it's not about you anymore, is it? You're the parent he was no longer the dominant figure, almost. Mm. It was like that baton had been passed on. But even if I was just going out to see him, it would take a day or two to accommodate, in his mind, somebody else in in the flat, oh, we might do something rather than just do what we normally do. We might go out for lunch or we might go out for dinner or we might go for a walk. Or You'd have to warm him up slowly mm. to use, having somebody around. And God forbid... Mm if there was any sport on the TV that he wanted to watch, we weren't going anywhere. So it could be New Year's Eve, and he go, I'm not doing anything, I've got to watch this. I was like, OK, fine. I'm making him sound terrible, he wasn't. So all that started to change around late 2014, early 2015. I mentioned earlier there was... He kind of had a live-in girlfriend. She felt that he was spending too much time on his computer and was of the belief that he was basically chatting to other women online.
0: Did that that, resonate at all with you?
2: It wouldn't have surprised me. That whole thing about, you know, what always wanted the latest gadget, always wanted the next shiny new thing. I think that was how his personality was. She was very, very upset. She left... My sister, um, because she'd lived in Cyprus previously, she'd been able to set up all his bank accounts and everything else. And we noticed that larger sums than usual from his pension fund were going into his account. Um, My sister had access to that account. What's he doing with this money?
0: So your sister's in London? My
2: sister's point. in London at this stage, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So she's looking at his bank account.
2: Well, we would, get, we would get paper statements. Right. So it wasn't like we could log in and, and see, but we would get a paper statement and it would say, oh, there's suddenly a deposit of 10,000. Right. And we go, well, that's a bit strange. You know, normally his pension was two grand a month, which is more than enough when you're a single man living in a relatively cheap country with no mortgage to pay. Mm-hmm but suddenly larger amounts were appearing and those amounts by the time we get the next payment were disappearing and we had no idea where it was going other than it was showing cash withdrawals typically 500 euros a day okay yeah and we were like what on earth are you doing oh i'm not doing anything i'm just ta- I, I like having cash around the house hmm. well that's just nuts but what do you do you, you know it's his money without sounding crass It's not a life-changing sum of money. You know, he had a good pension pot from from growing his businesses and being good over many years, paying into his pension. And then he started saying, you know, I'm going to treat myself to a new car. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do the other. And we were like, well, why are you going to do that? That's a bit silly. Why are you going to spend 70 grand on a car or whatever? Just he had two cars Mm. out there. Again, single man, why do you need more than two cars? Why do you need two cars in the first place? <laughs> so you'd have those silly arguments. Mm. But he always denied he was doing anything with the money. It was just cash to have around the house.
0: And when you say cash, was he literally going to the bank in Cyprus and getting the cash withdrawal? Yeah, he
2: was He was withdrawing €500 Euros a day. This is to give you an
0: idea. You've got a load of bank statements. I've got so. some
2: bank statements, and these date back 4th of January 2016, withdrawal 300 5th of January 2016, 300
0: and then it just goes on. And because it's cash, it's not like you can see that what he's saying he's spending the money on is visible. You know, if it was a credit card and he said, I wanted to buy myself a new car, you'd, you'd see it would say the Porsche dealership, right? But it doesn't. It just, it's just cash.
2: So. Yeah, some, a lot of them are cash.
0: And then you start
2: seeing, for example, here's one. Outwards foreign transfer to Kwaku Alibi, 500 euros. That was on the 1st of March, 2016. 2nd of March, 2016. Outward forward transfer to Ajay Favour, one thousand 1,577.
0: But you didn't have any idea that that was going on because you were getting the statements in the post in London on a bi-monthly basis from the bank.
2: Obviously, we had previous statements which showed cash withdrawals. And then suddenly we get into a realm of going, what the fuck is this? Yeah, who's Quaker Alibi? Yeah, who's got a name like Alibi? Who's patients, who's X, Y, Z and why the hell are they getting five grand every other week he's going through at that stage 20 grand a month Wow of transfers out of a country and then suddenly we find out that his bank have blacklisted him he was getting certificates for gold that people had uncovered in Iraq or Prince Whoever saying, I've inherited $10 million, it's in an account, I need somebody to get it out.
0: Mm. He believed them all. So the ones that we'd all immediately delete on site, as obvious spam. He was taking them in. And then presumably once you respond to one of those people positively, you're then on their email list to get everything.
2: Clearly you're on a hit list that suddenly says, this person is gullible enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what they've written to him and said, well done, you've come into 26 million Correct. you
2: Correct, you are going to get 50% of this amount if you help me get it out of the country. And for the purpose of getting it out of the country, he would have to transfer some money. Three and a half grand. And then it became the romance scams. I want to come and visit you, but I need to go to the embassy and I need $500. Okay, so in that
0: instance, a woman from, I'm guessing, Nigeria...
2: Ghana, Nigeria, right. were the mainly main ones, yeah.
0: Says, I'm in love with you, I've found you online and uh, I want to come and live with you, but I need this transfer. What did he explain to you he was thinking in that scenario? He thought
2: it was all a bit of fun and he thought it was genuine.
0: He thought these people
2: were actually going to come to him. He was adamant they were going to appear. He was on his own and that's a killer. Loneliness must have kicked in and then suddenly you are being bombarded with messages of people who love you and are sending you photos of themselves in various states of undress. And that's how you're spending your day, 12-14 hours a day, talking to these people online. So in early 2016, May, June time, <clears throat> we confronted him via email, via telephone to try and get into his head. I did a very, very simple, which, which any relatively sane person would do if you're confronted by somebody saying, I love you. I love you, Ollie man.
0: Mm.
2: I've never met you. And this is our first email exchange, but I love you. You probably Google my name just to see who on earth i was <laughs> and sure enough if you put in some of the names it would come up with under there's a there's a website called romance scam and people list the names of of, of who are active who historical and i sent him some of those names and he was like yes i recognize some of those names but i promise i'm not going to send them any more money
0: with a link to the site romance scam yeah yeah totally so you the, are being scammed yeah you are being scammed. this is a trick and and did he, he, did he acknowledge that it wasn't that like for other people it had been a trick and that he, he knew that what that was and he wasn't falling for it?
2: It was the thrill of the chase. He thought this was genuine. And there must have been some kind of an adrenaline rush that people were fascinated by him and devoting time to chat to him. As far as he was concerned, it was his money. Yeah. He was going to spend it however the damn hell he wanted.
0: And actually, even if these people are fraudulently claiming the money... Mm-hmm. I mean, presumably if it's for something as nefarious as I love you, so send me $3,000 as a deposit and I'll catch a plane and then they don't. And they're in a different country and he knowingly sends them the money and he, he inputs their bank details. I guess there's not much you can really do about that. There
2: was nothing we could do.
0: Did you want to just fly out there and have a conversation with them face-to-face and say, look, stop doing this?
2: Yes. My second child was born in late 2015. So we're talking, I've got a six, seven-month-old at home, a four-year-old as well, and ultimately my priority was my family
0: Mm.
2: I had a belligerent father who wasn't willing to believe he was doing anything wrong and then gave every assurance possible that actually whatever he was doing he was going to stop and we took him at his word what more can I do? we had no legal powers to stop him I called up his pension fund and said, "Please don't send the money that he's asking." And they were like, we, "He's giving us the instructions. We can't do anything."
0: That was it. Even even when you could show them a website. Of I, the I sent
2: I sent them kind of some emails that I'd had, that I'd seen, that my dad was being defrauded, and they were like, "Look, we can't do anything. All we can do is send it to his requirements."
0: And you also, I guess, had the reassurance that. You now knew the Bank of Cyprus had shut his account. Yeah, so
2: he had no access to these. Whatever he was going to do, he could only take out five hundred euros a day. Okay. So from then on in, he couldn't make five thousand euro transactions. Mm-hmm. He was limited to three and a half grand a week.
0: <laughs> it's funny, like the, the the amounts that caused alarm at first are now the ones that you're quite happy. That well, you
2: kind of, of go, go. He suddenly can't lose ten grand this week. Yeah. If he's going to do that, if he is going to go back to it, he's limited to five hundred euros a day. Mm. But he didn't stop. So his, his Bank of Cyprus account is shut down. He's only got cash. So he goes to Moneygram and he goes to Western Union. He starts sending cash every day. We flew out in December 2016 and confronted him.
0: What was the trigger for that?
2: I got his pension fund statement. Because his UK post was coming to me, it was clear nothing had stopped. And so my sister and I, we flew out there.
0: You just literally turned up at his door?
2: Turned up at his doorstep. He was surprised and happy to see us both. Mm. But then it turned very angry very quickly. My sister's quite balshy. And by the time we kind of dumped our bags... She started the conversations like, We're not here for fun. We're here to put a stop to whatever it is you're doing. Just to put it into context, from May 2015 to December 2016, he took out approximately 160,000 from his pension fund. Wow. And that had gone. Every single penny of that had gone. We were angry. We were very angry. There was a moment whereby, and you've got to understand, he's six foot three, 16 stone, where I thought he was going to hit my sister. And I stood in the way. And I was getting ready to basically deck my own father. There were tears from him, from my sister. I don't remember crying, that's not me sounding tough, but I was angry and disappointed because we'd been fed lie after lie after lie Mm. so that same day we basically took control we shut down his email account basically i changed the passwords and wouldn't give him the passwords it's amazing that even just that made a difference we got him to sign a power of attorney
0: how did you do that He's just been ranting and fuming at you, he's angry that you're there, you're in his space, he's Because in control. the
2: reality of what he'd done hit him. We and this this conversation went on for hours
0: mm.
2: and when you put it in black and white, when you show the pension statement, we discovered some stuff while we were there that day. And there are documents which I've got here with me, whereby he has given my name, my home address my wife's details, my child's details, to these scammers. He's giving them our personal information. Why? Because he thought it would help him get the gold or the money that he was going to be getting. There were fake contracts that he had signed, giving over his flat. I found all this paperwork hidden in a wardrobe, and when I found it, he tried to tear it up. And at that stage, when I said, you have put my family in trouble, you've put my family in harm's way, I will never forgive you for that. That's how we ended up with a power of attorney being signed. Because he knew at that stage what he'd done was unforgivable.
0: Did you think he was in sound mind?
2: He was lonely. I thought it was loneliness. I sit there and think, if you are on your own, you don't talk to anybody, you haven't got any friends, and then suddenly people take an interest in you, that is going to do something to you. I've learned subsequently that what these scammers do... They send out thousands of emails. And you or I would look at them and go, that's really shit. I could have knocked that up better on Word or Excel or whatever. But they only need the one person who doesn't realise it's fake. And then they're suckered in.
3: Mm.
2: I had control of his email accounts. And I set them up on my computer. And I watched the emails coming in.
0: I mean, that must have been a hard... I'm imagining... You know, you come home from a day in the office, there's a glass of wine. It's a big breath in, isn't it, before you log in as your dad? I do exactly...
2: But I'd do exactly that. I would have a have a big glass of wine, and I'd log in.
0: Because you must have thought, what the fuck am I going to see here?
2: I once got an email to my Hotmail account from somebody claiming to have a naked pic of my dad. And like, genuinely, he was trying to barter with me about how much to pay not to send me a pic of my dad. mm and it was like not everybody's stupid, but then I would log into my dad's account, and it was relentless. There was one name in particular, patience, patience Duku, and this was one claiming to be a romantic affair, and I love you. Where have you gone? I can't hear. And the messages were just piling up. They were every couple of minutes. It was either a bot or it was just somebody at a computer. Going, oh my God, we've lost this gold mine
0: yeah i mean if you're not the person who's the victim you imagine that st- probably a click farm somewhere you know there's probably 20 people bashing out the emails yeah I did,
2: literally and i imagine they're all sat in the same room laughing and joking we've got one right let's get on them mm. so what i then did is i set up an email account pretending to be uh, a ghanaian offshoot of anonymous <laughs> and i copied their logo copied their strap line And every time an email pinged up in my dad's email inbox, I'd email from the Anonymous in Ghana account going, we know what you're up to. We know that you're pretending to be patients. Stop it. And then another one would come into my dad's inbox from somebody else. I'm like, stop it. We know we're watching you. And then every now and again, they'd reply going, we have no idea what you're talking about. Please leave me alone. I was like, I'm watching you. I discovered a load of DHL receipts and then going through his email accounts discovered that he told them he had no access to send an international transfer and these scammers were saying to him wrap the cash in tinfoil stick it to the inside of a magazine to the centre pages of a magazine and send DHL the magazine to this address and that's what he was doing
0: And when you next went to visit your dad in Cyprus, things looked different?
2: Superficially, no. But you'd then look inside the bathroom cupboards and he's bought 15 tubes of toothpaste. Or 40 toilet rolls. He had two freezers and they were full. And when I say full, to the extent that the front of the drawers had broken off because there was so much stuff in them.
0: Did you ask him, why have you got 40 tubes of toothpaste?
2: Because they're on offer in the supermarket. Why wouldn't you buy them? Well, you're one person living alone with one set of teeth. We keep saying he would always buy the latest things. You'd go and visit over the years and there'd be no problem with going, oh, you've bought another frying pan. Not sure you need five of them, but okay. But this was beyond that. Then we got a card. I was out there actually when he got a card of somebody somebody he'd worked with very very closely over the years probably for about 30 years had died and his wife had sent a card to say look just so you know such and such has died and there was a photo of that person on the card and he kept going over to it going oh that's a shame he's died better be every couple of minutes mm. and you go this isn't right we had an idea that it was an Alzheimer's or a dementia issue.
0: Did that make it easier to think back on what had happened before?
2: Yeah. I had huge anger about what had happened before. There were emails between me and my dad at the time whereby I was like, I'm done with you. You've put me in danger, you've put my family in danger, you've put yourself in danger. You don't give a shit about us. How can you treat your own family like this? You then suddenly get this moment of clarity that he wasn't well. And do you,
0: do you feel a bit of guilt too that you didn't recognise it?
2: Yeah. I genuinely don't know what we could have done differently in 2015, 2016. Typically there's four stages. If we're looking back with, with hindsight, 2015, 16 was stage one. Mm. You wouldn't really know unless you'd had proper testing and that kind of stuff. And, and stage two is where he's at now. He's happy in his condition. Can be very entertained by literally putting on the BBC Earth Channel because that runs on a kind of a six-hour cycle of repeating programmes and he will sit down at 10 o'clock in the morning and watch a programme about dogs in Alaska and it will come back on again at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and he's never seen it before in his mind so he's happy, he's brilliant.
0: That's so difficult because he's happy and you're in the room and it makes you sad, presumably.
2: The sad thing is he's got no recollection of ever working.
0: I mean, this is someone who ran his own businesses and retired Ran his, his own the-
2: businesses uh, huge multi-million pound business
0: I suppose stage 3, stage 4 is when he doesn't even recognise you anymore
2: stage 3 will be where he hurts himself or he hurts somebody else and stage 4 is when, you know uh, jelly, basically
0: So he still live in Cyprus? he
2: still lives in Cyprus how's that? terrible, other than he's incredibly happy He's got a living care at the moment.
0: What's it like when you visit him now?
2: One of the, one of the symptoms of, of Alzheimer's is very restless nights for the patient. So he'll appear at my door at four o'clock in the morning just to check you're OK. He's worried about you because you're sleeping and he wants to make you feel you're OK. There's no geriatrician in Cyprus. And his GP knew what he had but could never test properly for it. Uh, he signed off on his driving license. Said, "Look, he's actually a very safe driver. He knows what he's doing because he's only going. He, g- he goes to Starbucks every day, gets a coffee, comes home. It's the same route. And then one day he lost his car. He reported it stolen. He'd driven to Starbucks, got his coffee, came out, couldn't find his car. Went to the police, reported it stolen. The police found it four months later. He parked it somewhere else, and just because there was there wasn't a parking space where he normally parked, and he parked it somewhere else, mm. and he'd forgotten." He has no recollection of any of that, no recollection of ever being able to drive. I went out there just before Christmas to see him and took him to the doctor for his kind of regular blood pressure, I took a blood test, I just do the usual medical. The doctor walks in and says, hey lovely to see you again and the doctor's like, it's great to see you too and my dad will repeat it, great to see you again. He's got one stock phrase for every situation. And if somebody responds to it, that that means it's a good thing. So, hey, Ollie, it's great to see you again. Or he wouldn't actually say Ollie because he wouldn't remember your name. It's great to see you again. So the doctor went back, it's great to see you too. What's my name? My dad would just go, it's great to see you. What's my name? No, it's just really nice to see you. And he was having his checkup and he was sat on the kind of the, the couch, the observation bed, whatever you want to call it. And I was just sat by the doctor's desk and the doctor came over to me and just whispered to me, he said, so the bad news is, he's well, he's healthy. And that is the bad news. I've got a friend of mine, her dad's got dementia. He's kind of stage one. But he's also got a very bad kidney problem, and he's on weekly dialysis. And their doctor has said to them, the good news is, if a dementia gets too bad, we can stop the dialysis. mm And they've got a root out. And I'm jealous of that. And that's awful to say.
0: Mm. It's awful to think. My dad's, what is he, 73, 74? He's in physical good health and that's a bad thing.
2: Yeah, he's 74. And I'd prefer it if he was... Yeah, If he could die this year, it would be brilliant. Mm. And I hate saying that. But emotionally, I've said goodbye to him.
0: There must be, still though some fun to be had when you're with someone who themselves isn't aware of what's happening.
2: Oh, God, yeah. I, like, you take a four-year-old to a haagen cafe, it's like they're in Disneyland. Mm. That's what it's like taking a 74-year-old with dementia. <laughs> because they genuinely don't think they've ever tasted ice cream before. <laughs> and they, and like, literally, we would go, and then we'd go back the next day, and he'd be like, I've never been, this is amazing, I've never been here before. Going to McDonald's and having a milkshake... It's a brand new experience mm. now he went to the opening night of the first ever McDonald's in the uk in, in Woolwich <laughs> right so he's now thinking I've never been to McDonald's in my life every single time we go you know there's darker points to it when I was over at Christmas he woke up he'd go to bed uh, like eight o'clock in the evening because obviously he's up all night he woke up about ten o'clock I was still awake and I kind of saw him and he woke up angry because In his mind, he'd paid the dentist to replace his teeth and he hadn't got his replacement teeth. And he was really angry at 10 o'clock at night. And he was really angry with me because I wouldn't let him call the dentist. Mm. So some of that is actually scary.
0: If you could go back and tell you in 2016 something that you've learned from this experience now, what would you say?
2: There's always an underlying issue, it's not just loneliness. We've been going around looking for care homes for him because we know that's the next step. And it's fascinating talking to the care home managers. They've all said to us, make sure you give power of attorney to your kids when you're still able to. They've all said, every single one of them has said it, give power of attorney to your kids when you're 50.
0: Mm.
2: Because you never know what's around the corner. And that had- is
0: not a discussion that is being
2: No, it's really not. We can sit there and talk about social welfare policies or whatever else. We know dementia is on the rise. We know Alzheimer's is a, it's a, it's a bitch of a disease. We're powerless to do anything to help our parents without that legal documentation. His bank could see this money going. His pension fund could see the money going, but there was nothing they could do about it because we didn't have the right bit of paperwork.
0: My thanks to Nick. If you've got a story you'd like to share on a future edition of the show, just head to our website, modernman.co.uk, and click Feedback. And whilst you're on our website, if you value what we're up to here, putting out stories like that that you just do not hear anywhere else... Please support us financially. All the links are there. And our massive thanks to the latest Beer Money donors. Uh, that's Daniel in Berlin, Hillary in Delaware, Graham in Leeds, Richard, Gary, David, Matthew and Christopher. You all help make this show possible. So thank you. Up next, Alex Fox gets the flesh hook out after this. Let's talk about sex, shall we? The uh, polite English version of the famous song uh, with Alex Fox. (laughs)
1: Let's Uh, talk about sex, shall we? we?
0: (laughs) Um, How are you?
1: I've been a very naughty girl. Naughty? I have been to a rope bondage class. Of course you have. With a twist. All the other times that I have been involved in bondage, I've been the one getting tied up. Whereas this time I was learning how to tie other people. I tied a dude up for the first time and it was really hard. And I have newfound respect for anybody who has ever managed to restrain me in the past.
0: Why have you never been in the position of being the dominating one? That seems like, you know, entry level stuff for someone in your position writing lots and lots of things about sex over the years.
1: I'm a switch in bed mainly, so I tend to switch between feeling dominant and feeling submissive. But out of those two positions, I think I probably veer much more comfortably towards being submissive. And and most of my previous partners have sat more comfortably in the dominant camp and a lot of the investigations I've done have been with bondage masters when I've been writing journalistically about these things who've wanted to tie me up in predicament situations like underwater scuba bondage or extreme suspension bondage. I've always been the subject who is finding out how it feels to be in that position rather than the one with the skills. Um, Not only did I find it quite mindful because you really have to concentrate on all the the loops and the patterns Um, but (laughs) what
0: it's just the best context for mindfulness I've ever heard like finally something's going to get me into the movement you know
1: yeah you could do colouring in yeah
0: exactly (laughs) or you
1: could tie somebody's thighs to their calves dot the dot
0: wasn't for me (laughs) (laughs) then I found rope bondage
1: (laughs) honestly a lot of people were there not doing it because they find it particularly uh, sexual or a turn on but because they appreciate the artistry. If you're looking at shibari, the Japanese form of rope bondage, then you tie people into really beautiful positions and the the rope or the ribbon crisscrosses the body in, in ways that are designed to be extremely decorative, like a form of embellishment. So it is kind of an artistry outside of sexual terms. I really enjoyed the fact that I was taught to maintain the tension of the rope while I was tying so that It's not just the end product, it's not just the person ending up not being able to move that's a thrill, but the actual application, the the process of the tying also then becomes a sensual thing in itself. And that was something I'd never really thought about before.
0: First time I would have done it since Duke of Edinburgh Award. (laughs) Uh, We've had uh, a question from a lady who wishes to remain anonymous who says, "Uh, Alex, my friend with benefits and I enjoy rather rough bedroom play, which can last up to three hours at a time. Well, I'm not into spanking, but I do love having my breasts squeezed and stretched to the point that I often end up with bruises on them. And often the day after a session... My lady garden feels like it's been hoed rather vigorously, so it hurts to touch anywhere near it. And then she does put in brackets, this is all completely consensual, and my partner's always very careful to make sure he doesn't do anything I'm uncomfortable with. I don't have a problem with this. In fact, in an odd way, it feels like a good reminder of an excellent night, uh, kind of in the way that sore muscles can feel good after a major gym workout. But I was wondering if there is any risk of longer-term physical damage from this. So, have you got any advice for how else we could have fun with my boobs? Uh, They're not very responsive, unlike the rest of me. I'm one of those lucky trigger-happy women that can orgasm ten times in half an hour. So, the usual sucking and prodding doesn't do a lot for me. I think the fact that she calls it the usual sucking and prodding, sucking and yeah, prodding. <laughs> sort of suggests that's the case. What are you coming here for? Uh, short back
1: and sides? <laughs> yeah, just the usual sucking and prodding. If you are inflicting any kind of squish or pressure on the breasts, um, you should make sure that you give yourself a rest from that. Take off any clamps, take off any ropes at least every 15 minutes. Also, keep an eye on the colour of skin. Um, it will go a kind of like reddish purple for some people, Um where where, where, uh, blood is being held in a certain part of the breast. Um, That's not too dangerous so long as you don't allow it to go on for too long. However, if you start to see anything that's more like a bluish, purplish, ashy tone, that's more worrisome. That suggests that deoxygenated blood is pooling in, in one part of the boob. It's not doing anything that's useful to the tissues there. You need to immediately take pressure off that breast and let it recover.
0: Because also I presume a risk here, and it, you know, it might not be a risk that our correspondent is worried about at the moment, but a risk here is its future Intended function as a mammary gland, right, for feeding babies. I mean, if you're cutting off blood supply, that could be at risk.
1: Cutting off blood supply to any part of the body is a bad idea. (laughs) Um, You heard it here first. (laughs) But because, uh, for a prolonged period of time anyway, but because the breasts contain, depending on their individual size, quite a lot of fatty tissue, they do have their own idiosyncratic problems here Um, just going back quickly to blood supply another thing to keep your eye on is temperature if boobs start feeling really really cold that suggests they're not getting enough blood uh, to the bits that need them and if you are using any kind of tie um, try and make sure that you can slide at least one finger under the rope or the ribbon or the harness or whatever you're using That always seems weird to me because I used to work at Halfords fitting baby seats and we we had exactly the same rule to make sure that we didn't essentially throttle children. So Halfords, who knew that you would ever inform me in these ways? I said boobs, depending on their size, can contain a lot of fat. That comes with a potential problem called fat necrosis, which is the destruction of fat cells either through lack of Of healthy blood supply or through impact, things like flogging, caning, squeezing too hard. That can end up causing hard lumps inside the breast, which sometimes need to be surgically removed. So, the important thing here is to know what's normal for you, whether you usually have quite lumpy boobs. If you notice anything new, get to a doctor straight away. Um, Hematomas can occur, that's a swelling filled with blood, again caused by trauma or impact. They sometimes are just naturally absorbed back into the body, but again uh, can require surgery or can cause scarring if they're particularly bad uh, or they can get infected by the growth of bacteria. And finally, God, this is not great foreplay talk really, is it? No one's going to be wanting to... Get where hey with the tittays after this. <laughs> I promise I'll make it more exciting in a minute. Um, there has been a study that was undertaken by the North Lancashire Breast Screening Service, uh, which looked at women between the ages of 50 and 65 and found that there was a potential link between higher incidences of breast cancer in women who had experienced trauma or impact to the breast and had reported that. Um, I don't want to scaremonger there. Best practice is to know what's normal for your body and make sure that you're regularly checking yourself and getting medical checks.
0: Right, okay, we've done the science bit. Now let's talk about tit play, please.
1: (laughs) I have spoken to the UK's leading um, star of tit torture films, Sussex Mistress, a.k.a. Minty Baubles, <laughs> the best <laughs> name ever. Um, she is. She's become quite famous for producing videos showing fairly extreme breast play. And if you see her baps straight after she's completed one of these BDSM scenes, I'm warning you, do not Google this unless you're sitting down. It looks pretty full on. There's often a lot of purple bruising, a lot of bleeding. If anybody knows how to do boob play safely and inventively, it is her.
0: It's good old baubles.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The first thing that she said to me is before you actually start doing more extreme play work on increasing the sensitivity of the overall breast area. And our, our letter writer has said that that's something that doesn't come particularly easily to her. So some ways that you can make the boobies more responsive before you start playing with them further um, are is by using suction.
0: So like a warm-up exercise, basically.
1: <laughs> yes, a stretch yeah. before you actually stretch your tits yeah um you can buy lots of kinds of nipple suckers but you can also get i don't know whether you've seen these larger silicone cups that are designed for the chinese therapy called cupping Mm -hmm. Uh, you also see them marketed as um an alleged device to reduce cellulite but you can get them in all sorts of different sizes if you put a little bit of oil or lube around the rim of those it not only helps them get a better adherence to the body but it it stops them uh, rubbing too much and causing too much undesired marking but if you can basically attach loads of these suckers all over the breast to bring blood to the surface uh, and increase sensitivity before you begin playing with say a Wartenberg wheel which is a little um a little trundle wheel covered in spikes. So that might be fun. Um, another thing that you might want to look into is <laughs> I spoke to a guy called Greg from Canada. Greg? Oh, yeah. I'm so,
0: I thought you were going to say I spoke to Titty McTitface. Greg. <laughs> What does Greg have to say?
1: Greg runs a Canadian indie startup that 3D prints really, really wild S&M toys. Um, They're called Terrible Toys. In their range includes a dildo that fits onto the handle of a broom so that you can sweep the floor with your ass, uh, and an item called the Crouton Crusher, which is essentially spiky tongs for your testicles. But he also, his pièce de résistance is called the Breast Trap. And it is modelled on a bear trap, right? But it's a bear trap for boobs.
0: I mean, in Canada, they know they're bear traps. <laughs> a lot of expertise in handicraft will have got into this.
1: Oh, well, now they're moving on to trapping bare breasts. Yeah. Um it looks exactly like an animal trap. It's got serrated teeth. It fits. You, you get a couple of them, and you can fit them onto each boob um they tighten at the sides so the teeth dig into the the flesh
0: but slowly i guess not slowly like,
1: yeah you yeah. <laughs> don't want to do this in too much of a. It's hurry. Not
0: like a bang no. no
1: oh no no they don't slam shut like no. say uh, a mouse trap yeah. you tighten them slowly over time yes and then they come how thick.
0: long because she goes three hours remember
1: i would want to take a break Uh, After a a maximum of 15 minutes. Right. Any kind of sustained pressure, squeezing, clamping, tying, 15 minutes should be your absolute max. If the skin starts to feel cold or you're noticing different colours that that don't look good.
0: Release the bear trap.
1: (laughs) Exactly, release the beast. (laughs) Um, These boob traps actually come with handles so that once they're attached to the tits, you can twist them Mm -hmm. or pull people along. So that might be something interesting for them to add to their this conversation is reminding
0: me that i once at latitude festival at two in the morning i
1: cannot wait to see what (laughs) you say next saw a woman
0: saw a woman dangling from the ceiling on a trapeze by her boobs oh have you ever seen that she had hooks in her boobs and she dangled from the ceiling on it and it wasn't a trick it was that was her thing yeah
1: i have seen that um I should probably mention this here if you are into extreme bondage including suspending or you are a trapeze (laughs) artist that dangles from the
0: ceiling by your tits yeah
1: or you're someone who's really into S&M even if you don't do it at home Mm. and now and again you go to a specialist club or a hotel if you are uh, suspending somebody in any way from their boobs yes there is the risk of the breast tissue pulling yeah, away I, d- I didn't the, even yeah. want you to
0: finish that sentence yeah. I mean I remember I've got a very vivid memory of seeing it even though it was two in the morning and I had a few drinks because it was they got someone from the audience I mean she you know of her own free will there was no one you know pimping her into this as far as I could see this was her thing she was really into it she got someone from the audience to pull on her legs yes. it was just like oh my god what am I watching like, literally what am I watching but it's a thing obviously she was into it so they, yeah, yeah I've yeah. seen
1: quite a few flesh yeah. Yeah. well you have you've seen everything
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's all very vivid for me um, anyway one more tip
1: I've got a couple more tips one for, one for each cup if you will um, the first is very DIY in contrast to having to invest in, in a very specialist kit you can simply use elastic bands you can flick elastic bands against the skin against the breast tissue um, very cheap doesn't leave really long lasting marks or do any major damage but and it you can, can fill up
0: your stationary cover <laughs>
1: Yeah. Double win. All those annoying lackey bands that your postman leaves <laughs> on your doorstep, yeah. um, you can now put those to good use. Uh, clothes pegs as well can be very useful to use as clamps. If you um, thread a few together, you can make what's called a zipper within the community. Go on. Uh, where you attach a, a line of clothes pegs and then rip them off using the, the rope or thread that you've threaded them together with, um, and they will go... Brr- just like a zip coming off the skin. Yeah, actually, I
0: mean, you know, compared to the earlier conversation about black and blue breasts, that sounds quite pleasurable. (laughs) I can see why someone might like that. And what's the other tip you have?
1: This is my favourite because I really don't think that many people will have heard this before and it's definitely new to modern man.
0: And to clarify, when you say your favourite that you've read about, not experienced personally?
1: I haven't experienced this personally, although I'd be open to it. Great. I have seen it performed. Um,
0: (laughs) I mean the introduction is better than whatever it is, but go for it.
1: <laughs> this comes with the caveat that you should practice. Yeah, yeah, usually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look after your
0: boobs. If someone what is it? burns their yeah, yeah, tits no, no off, then I don't. Their tits. It's fine. I
1: don't want to be responsible for it. Okay, get your hands on some flash cotton. It's used by illusionists and magicians to create um, a very quick spark fire effect. Um, lay it across <laughs> your breasts or tie it round them. Yeah. Light one end of it, and it will um, it will it will create a very quick burst of heat and light. If you do it right, it should be all sensation without any actual blistering or burning. Burning, and um, it's uh, quite spectacular to look at.
0: Debbie McGee, what was it that first attracted you to the multimillionaire Paul Daniels?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, he just really knew, knew what to do with my Hello Kitty titties.
0: Um, Marvelous! If you have a question of sex for <laughs> a future <laughs> edition of the Modern Man, it sounded fine. I mean, at this point of the show, if anyone has a contrary indication of what Debbie McGee should sound like in an impersonation ad libbed, feel free to get in touch with that as well.
1: She might like do a weird voice when she's sexually turned on by Paul Daniels burning her tits.
0: I- who knows, it's for the history books now. Um, anyway, if you have a sex question, head to our website, modernmanwithtwoends.co.uk, fill in the feedback form. And if you want to follow Alex Fox on Instagram...
1: It's at Alex Fox, highly original, A-L-I-X-F-O-X.
0: And with that, we have very nearly reached the end of this edition of The Modern Man, but there is just time to appoint a new man ambassador. It is Viv in Melbourne who says, Ollie, thank you for everything you guys do to create this podcast. I've been a huge fan since October 2018 when I put on your episode, The Biggest Screens in the World, for the hour and a half drive home from my grandma's 91st birthday. There's so much detail in that anecdote, Viv. It must be true. Uh, I love the depth and breadth of the interviews, she says, and I find the zeitgeist and foxhole a great way to de-stress when uni work is overwhelming. I'm so hooked, I constantly recommend you to anyone looking for a new podcast, and I'd be honoured if you'd consider me my ambassador for Melbourne. However, I see that is already taken. I spent the first 19 years of my life in Geelong, Victoria. Does that count? For you, Viv anything. I now pronounce you ambassador for Geelong. Congratulations. Until next time, our theme music is by Django Django. I've been Ollie Mann, the producer Matt Hill and we'll see you with something new on the 1st of April.
2: Why don't you stay? Why don't you stay? Why don't you
3: stay? Why don't you stay a little longer
1: and waste your time with me
3: and
2: Paradise
3: We are learning how to be 60.
0: Listen wherever you get your podcasts.